0: and welcome to Relationship Game Changers. My name is Kim Moore, and on behalf of Amy Bernal, all of the prayer leaders, and most importantly, Jesus Christ, we welcome you. We thank you so much, and we just bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, if this is your first time on Relationship Game Changers or second or third or hundredth time on Relationship Game Changers, we teach and speak and pray those truths that transcend gender, race, Economics, education, religious affiliation, truth transcends everything that would seek to divide, steal, and kill, and destroy us as the people of God. And so we bless you and we thank you so much for taking your time to participate tonight. Tonight, I want to tell you two things. I want to tell you that the next great awakening, the next great move of God, the end time harvest, the revival, by whatever name you prefer to call it, will come up from within the church. It will come from within you, within the church. And then the second thing I want to tell you is it will come through those who are actively engaged in the process of sanctification, I told you a couple weeks ago that justification delivers us from the judgment of sin, from the eternal judgment of sin, but sanctification delivers us from the power of sin. It's the ability to live victoriously in the here and now. The church is well-versed in justification. Now we must engage sanctification. And so tonight, I want to share with you a message. Uh, As many of you know, Amy and I went to Montana a couple weeks ago, and uh, right before we went, God spoke to me, and he told me that I want you to tell the pastors and leaders this. And so we did, and he told me what to say. I believe uh, what he told me, but he said, I want you to talk about the direction. I want you to talk about the direction I'm taking the church. And so it began in Ruby Valley, Montana, and um, I believe that that was the first place that we were to uh, lay that message into the soil there, and that is what we did, the soil of people's hearts. And I do think it's a, a message that's important for your consideration, you know, because when we consider, when we think about things, just like Paul told Timothy, that if you consider this and if you think about this, God will expound your understanding. He will cause you to grow in understanding if you will think about it, if you will consider it. And so I'm putting this out here uh, and uh, for your consideration and see what the Spirit of God would say to you, for the Word of God is of no private interpretation And so I believe that he can confirm his own word. I believe that he will explain it even further and better than I can to you, to you as an individual, your church, and your work life. It's also important, as I said, at the very opening, that many, many, many of us are speaking about revival, a great awakening, the harvest, uh, a tremendous, you know, I've heard some number, billion soul harvest. And so that, those words answer the question, what? But how is an equally important question. We've had a lot of what, but wouldn't it be nice if we knew how God was going to do what he did so that we could participate? Tonight, I want to tell you how that is going to come about. I believe, like many of you, that revelation precedes any great move of God. So knowing how God is going to do what he's going to do allows us to participate uh, consciously, um, purposefully, intentionally. And so God's not trying to hide his way from us. And so I believe that through scripture, I'm going to show you the direction God is taking from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And so I'm going to be coming primarily, I have a lot of scriptures, and I want you to write them down, because then you can go back and see what the Spirit of God says to you. And if he says something different, you by all means need to follow what he tells you. I'm only sharing what I believe he's given me for the body of Christ and asking you to consider it and let the Holy Spirit expound on it as he can speak a language that you and him know best together. (laughs) So, Father, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, that the peace of God attends these words, God. Lord, I know every time we open our mouth, we cease to be at rest. And so I know even in opening my mouth, God, I have given up the place of peace and rest. But I ask tonight that your peace would accompany my words, that your love would accompany my words, that your truth, the spirit of truth, the spirit called love and spirit called peace would attend to my words and that you would make your words, Lord, that you would find residence in your people. For surely your people will hear your voice and another they will not follow. Father, I thank you and I praise you for all these that are listening now live and those that will listen by replay. Father God, awaken us like never before, God, so that we can participate with you like never before. I ask you to do these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Two of the scriptures I'm going to be reading from are Ezekiel forty-seven, one through twelve, and John four thirteen and seven thirty-eight. And I have some other scriptures, um, but I want to start there. So before I read Ezekiel forty-seven, remember I'm talking about how God is going to how I believe God is going to bring about this great awakening, this revival. I mean, I don't know about you, but I get excited thinking about this because we've heard the what for years, and, and many of us are, or, you know, how you're in a game-clenching, uh, you know, God, it's going to happen. What's God going to do? And, you know, you're just ready. Okay, what's next? And, and so when God reveals how or the what's next or the strategy, man, it excites me like no end. And I hope that it will do for you upon your consideration. So before I read Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12, let me just give you a little bit background about Ezekiel. He was a priest and a prophet. Daniel was concerned about the political restoration of Israel. You see him speaking to governments, to the governments that that were in existence at the time. But Ezekiel was concerned about the religious restoration of Israel, the relationship that Israel had with her God, and that is the focus of his prophetic words. He was sent to the body of Christ to deal with the body of Christ. Israel had been in bondage to Babylon for about five years when Ezekiel also in bondage, wrote the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel makes about 16 references to the doctrine of the glory of God and the anticipation of Christ as the glory of God. So Ezekiel is concerned about the glory of God. What is this next great move? What is this next revival? What is this end time harvest? What is this about? It's about the glory of God manifesting himself himself on earth and it's interesting because in romans it talks about how we exchange the glory of god for things and material things and i believe that god is returning his glory to man in this hour and like isaiah micah the amos and hosea ezekiel pronounced judgment and blessing upon israel prophets do that they can announce blessing and um, i sorry judgment a corrective word, and a blessing word upon Israel. So chapters 1 through 32 addresses the different aspects of the judgment in preparation for blessing and glory. So whenever God corrects or judges a thing, it's to bring about a blessing. It's to create an opportunity for blessing and an entrance for his glory. So God's not condemning for the sake of destroying, he's condemning that which is incompatible with his glory because he wants his glory to be made manifest in ever a greater ways. And so chapters 33 through 48 have to do with the restoration of Israel. And so in chapters 1 through 32, Ezekiel gives the reason for God's judgment upon Israel. They had become a nation steeped. Just think of, as as I read these few things, just, just see if any of this relates to today. So Israel had fallen into idolatry. They were steeped in it. Socially, they were morally corrupt. And you can read all of this in Ezekiel. Some of the things they were doing, including they were using their strength and their influence to exploit others. They were, they, were, they knew how to work the minds of men to get what they wanted. They knew how to work the minds of men to get what they wanted. Form of witchcraft. They showed contempt for their parents. They are oppressing the fatherless and the widows. They were engaging in all kinds of sexual morality, and they despised what was holy. So those are some of the things that were going on when Ezekiel was called to speak to Israel. And so Israel's emphasis, and I want to read these scriptures because it's real important. It's a transition. Up until Ezekiel, God dealt with Israel as a nation, but in Ezekiel, there was a transition from dealing with uh, Israel as a nation to dealing with Israel as individuals. Here's what it says in Ezekiel 18:1 through 4. It says, the word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by using the proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers eat sour and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, this is the declaration of the Lord. You will no longer use this proverb in Israel. Look, every life belongs to me. The life of the father is like the life of the son. Both belong to me. The person who sins is the one who will die. Previously, you'll remember, the the sins of the father were visited upon the, the sons until the third or fourth generation. I could be wrong on that, but beyond their generation if the father messed up it perpetuated itself through the generations and Ezekiel's saying that's not the way it's going to be anymore if you sin if an individual sins he will die so today children can't blame their parent for the sin that they engage in each one has to become responsible for themselves so Ezekiel concerned himself with personal responsibility. The restoration of Israel, and by extension, believers today, was twofold. Israel, uh, I'm sorry, Ezekiel addressed the bestowing of new life um, and a new order. New life you can read about in, 30, in Ezekiel 33-39 and establishing a new order in Ezekiel 40-48. The new order was a new way of doing things. Are you hearing? Remember, think about some of the prophetic words we're hearing about there's, there's, God is doing something new. It's not like the same. This is new wine. This is new, new, new. Well, Ezekiel prophesied this. He said there's going to be a new order, a new way of doing things, a new approach Many have been, uh, as you said, many have been speaking, and I would suggest to you, if we're honest with ourselves, we've talked about it, many of us, but we've not experienced it in our own lives uh, to an astounding degree. I mean, degree. Maybe some of us have, but by and large, wholesale, not individually, and not in the church, have we experienced a quote new order of things, a new way of doing things. Some of us are engaging. But, again, not on a wholesale level. And so one final thing I want us to agree on before I read Ezekiel 47 is this. Um, The Old Testament shows us externally what God wants to do with mankind internally. So you've heard it said the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament concealed. Revealed. So the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament reveals. I'm I'm getting tongue-tied here. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. That is what they were doing outwardly in the Old Testament, God wanted to do inwardly in the New Testament. So in Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel has a vision about a temple, the external temple. The temple that Ezekiel understood was the temple at that particular time. New Testament, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Paul repeats that in in 1 Corinthians 6.19. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit in whom you have from God? You are not your own. It goes on to say you've been bought with a price. So Ezekiel references his vision is about an external temple but it has a direct impact upon us as Ezekiel was a prophet and he was foretelling things to come. And so he's talking about also the temple that is you and I, the body of Christ, individually and collectively. Ezekiel begins to discuss the transition from external worship, which was the temple was the symbol of worship, and Ezekiel begins discussing the transition from external worship to internal worship in Ezekiel eleven nineteen, And he repeats it in Ezekiel 36, 26. And he says this, I will give them integrity of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will remove their stony heart from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh. So I will give them integrity of heart. So part of the new order has to do with integrity of heart. It has to do with character. It has to do with how we are reflecting Jesus Christ, the truth, how we are representing the truth in our time. So now I want to read Ezekiel 47 with that backdrop. And I want to show you through Ezekiel 47 and John 4:13 and 7:38. I want to show you a way forward for the body of Christ, so that we can move from what God is doing, what He plans to do, with how He plans to do it. I know this is true because it is scriptural. Everything I'm going to Read for yourself. Secondly, I would tell you, the people of God understood the will of God, but Moses understood the way of God. And the people that understood the will but not the way will get upset with the people that understand the way because it is new. It is uncertain. We've never gone this way before. We've never done it this way before. And just like the people condemn Moses, the speakers of this new way will also come under censorship because it's one thing to know what God wants to do it's quite another thing to know how he plans to do it and I believe that if you will read and consider the scriptures I give you you too the Holy Spirit will convince you of the way you'll be in the know the mystery of how God is about to do what he's doing or how he's doing. He's already begun and there are people that are already participating, just not wholesale because we like justification over sanctification. But we must be a sanctified people. So here we go. The temple we know, Ezekiel is speaking of the Actual temple in the Old Testament, a vision he saw in the New Testament, we're the temple, and the water spoken about in Ezekiel 47, the actual water in the Old Testament is the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Now I read Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12. Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side. In other words, it was coming up from the south side of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Next he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around the outside of the outer gate that faced east. There were, there, the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went out east with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a third of a mile and led me through the water. He came up it, it came up to my ankles. Then he measured off a third of a mile and led me through the water. It came up to my knees. He measured off another third of a mile and led me through the water. It came up to my waist. Again, he measured off a third of a mile And it was a river that I could not cross on foot. For the water had risen, it was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be crossed on foot. He asked me, do you see this son of man? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I had returned, I saw a very large number of trees along both sides of the river bank. He said to me, this water flows out to the eastern region and goes down to Araba. When it enters the sea, the sea of foul water, the water of the sea becomes fresh. Every kind of living creature that swarms will live wherever the river flows. And there will be a huge number of fish because this water goes there. Since the water will become fresh, there will be life everywhere the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside it from Engedi to Eniglam. These will become places where nets are spread out to dry. Their fish will consist of many different kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea, yet its swamps. And marshes will not be healed. They will be left for salt. All kinds of trees providing food will grow along both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. Each month they will bear fresh fruit because the water comes from the sanctuary, that is, the temple. Their fruit will be used for eating and their leaves. For healing. So there's several things we understand. The direction of the water is not coming down. It is coming up. The Holy Spirit has come down. He is coming up. And he's coming up through the people. It's coming up through the knees, to the feet, and the ankles, and the knees, and the waist. And I'm going to tell you what those different things represent. But the, I want you to notice the direction of the water is coming up. Why is that important? Because we're talking about a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this last day. But when I show you the direction of the water, let me just read it to you. Let me read, and then we'll go back to Ezekiel. But let me just read John uh, 7.14. Here we go. In John 4.14, he's speaking to a woman at the well. And in verse 14, it says, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never thirst again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up, continually flowing, bubbling in him for eternal life. Notice again, the direction of the water is up, not coming down. The direction of the spirit is coming up not down. In John seven thirty eight, the one who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, from within his belly, his waist, his core, him, uh, his belly, will flow rivers of living water. So it comes up and out. It comes up and out. I want you to pay attention to the direction. One day, my eight year old daughter, at the time, she said, Mom, how can I know? That is God speaking to me. And she had a comforter that had pink, purple, and light pink and dark pink, all different shades of pink and purple, but they were in a wave pattern. And each color represented a different color wave. So if you can imagine that. And I said to her, well, let's think about it. It's like when God is speaking to you and the Holy Spirit is in you, He's Speaks from within, so you can tell or you can get a strong clue of whether it's God speaking to you depending on the direction of the word. Where does it come from? Is it coming to your head? Is it coming to, is it a nice idea? Is it emotionally connecting with you? Or is it coming from deep within that reservoir because God says that he will pour out his spirit in our hearts by the Holy Ghost? So those of us that have received Christ in us is a water, is a reservoir. And when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes upon us and covers us, we're both in Christ and he is in us. And when he speaks to us, he's speaking from within and it should come up and out. And that's why prayers of I, I call it silent prayers are so important because when you're just quiet before the Lord, in fact, the scripture says, be still and know that I'm God. How can you know because you're being still, your soul is not striving. Your soul is not actively trying to grab or ascertain or acquire a thought. You're just in the presence of God observing observing in the spiritual realm where the words are coming from and who they belong to. For out of the abundance does the mouth speak. And why is this important? Because I'm telling you how God is going to do what he's doing by his own word, not my word. So let's just talk for a few minutes. When when, um, Ezekiel says, he talks about, Let's see. He talks about the feet and the ankles, the water covered the feet and the ankles. The feet provide the base for our ability to stand. Without feet, we will not be able to stand and balance. We would not have stability for either standing or walking. And so our feet represent sound doctrine. It represents the doctrine of Jesus Christ and the apostles. And Jesus Christ is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. And all of the apostles testify of Jesus. So the foundation that you and I, that our feet must be planted on is the doctrine of not the next prophetic word. It is the doctrine of Christ and Him alone. So the feet, so one thing God is doing is shoring up our foundation, tearing down denominational walls, and bringing us back to him whose glory was manifested in Jesus Christ. This is what joins you and I, that our belief in Jesus Christ, our speaking in tongues does not join us. That might improve, that might create a different level of connection, but Jesus Christ alone is the foundation of the believer. To as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become something they weren't, that is, the sons of God. So we must return to teaching the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. It's not this denomination, it's not that denomination. Every denomination offers an aspect of truth but does not have the whole truth. Jesus Christ is the whole truth of God. And so we must return to him alone. Does this line up with the teachings of Jesus Christ? Does this reflect the teaching of Jesus Christ? I wonder, could we in the pulpit do 52 sermons talking about Jesus alone with no other additives? Could we speak and teach the people about Jesus alone? If the teaching we're receiving doesn't take us back to Jesus Christ, then we... Are at risk of being in error because everything Jesus did took us to the Father, and everything the apostles did took us back to Jesus. So we must teach and preach Jesus. We must teach and preach Jesus. Ankles, they allow us to bend down. I don't know if you've ever witnessed or observed uh, someone from an Asian country, but they can sit in a stoop um, with their backsides not touching the floor but truly balancing on their ankles and just holding that position for a long time. I've seen adults do it. I've seen kids do it. I can't do it. My ankles aren't strong enough. They won't allow me to bend and stoop and hold that position long enough. But ankles allow us to bend down. They allow us to stoop. I can bend for a few minutes, but then i got to get up because it's like hard on the ankles. And so, but ankles allow for us to move. They allow us to engage the feet in walking. So the feet and the ankles represent external foundation. Jesus, the apostles, and the prophets, listen what they said in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. What was the apostles' teaching? They taught Jesus Christ him crucified, him uh, buried, raised, and ascended to the Father. They teach Jesus as the appropriation, as the payment for our sins. They taught Jesus as the one who justifies. Paul, in one situation, says, listen, even if I have a pure conscience, even if I have a clean conscience, my conscience doesn't convict me. It does not justify me. Jesus Christ alone justifies us. And then Ephesians 2:20 says you are built on you are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. I tell you what, You can talk about the Bible. Satan doesn't mind you talking about the Bible. Satan doesn't mind putting us in nice language at the world and those that don't know Christ and and these motivational um, sermons. Satan doesn't mind that. He even uses the truth to work the minds of men. He doesn't care about that. But the moment you start talking about Jesus, we have a problem. I remember I was uh, speaking, uh, you know, we were uh, doing a, um, an interview several years ago, and I was part of the panel, and this lady came up to me, and she said, you just look so familiar. Have you spoke here? Have you done this? And, you know, she was, uh, she was like, yeah, and, and I said, well, I don't know. Maybe I did, but long story short, she wanted to tell me about the, you know, speak to me about the truth that I, I share with them, and then I said, yeah, but what do you do with Jesus? And I'm telling you, you would think that the lights went on and she ran out of the room, not literally, but she changed the conversation. If you really want to know where somebody stands in this day and time, just ask them. Just start talking about Jesus. You don't even have to ask them about Jesus. Just start talking about Jesus because when you do, God will begin to glorify him in your midst. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the glory of God. And when we start speaking about Jesus, we went to a restaurant one time. It was a group of us. And we just started talking about Jesus. And the the light around us just drew people into that conversation. Oh, my God. Nobody ever witnessed. We didn't have a program. We didn't go there to outreach. We just went there to enjoy each other and talk about Jesus. You start talking about Jesus more, you will find out where people really are and what they really believe. Um, about the God whose name is Jesus Christ. And so we must begin to focus on the preeminence and return to the preeminence, excuse me, uh, the preeminence of Christ. It was a preeminence is apparent in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And so, you know, I I just, like I said, I just I just amaze, I just wonder what would happen if when we went to dinner we didn't try to win people or we went to these different places that the, our kids or grandkids Uh, hockey or soccer games. We weren't trying to win people. We were just trying to talk about the man we love and hope to one day meet face to face. That's all we want to do because when we start doing that, God will begin to glorify his son in your midst, and it will draw people without you or I ever even trying. Jesus didn't have an evangelism program. He was and is who he is, and the Father glorified him every time he spoke. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I wonder if he became the source and the the goal of our conversation, not to win people, but just to exalt him and praise him and to glorify him in the midst of others. So, again, the water spoken of in Ezekiel is the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, it's is the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, and the Holy Spirit must cover our feet and our ankles. It must go over our foundation. Now, we've had some help because there's been a great shaking, and there continues to be a shaking in the earth, so that which is not compatible with God will break off so that that which is compatible with God could remain. So some of this, God is already engaged in the work of helping us to lay and relay and to shore up our foundation so that we can walk, so that we can stand and walk properly before him and before man. Wow. So then we get to the knees. He walked another quarter of a mile and he got to the knees. The knees make our legs flexible. They It makes it easy to stand, sit, kneel. Our knees are like they just – I mean, think about trying to walk with your knees in a, in a, like a straight jacket, or if you've ever worn a knee brace where you can't move your knee. And it's kind of like you're walking like a stick person. <laughs> so knees enable us to, to have a, a different range of motion. We can do different things. And our knees represent our willfulness, our willingness to participate or not participate with truth. So sometimes our knees are stubborn, our will is stubborn. We know what we know, and when you think you have the truth, you're not looking for the truth. You know, we, we get into these ideas, I'm right and you're wrong, versus, you know, just, well, let's explore this. Let's have a conversation about this. Well, our needs represent our flexibility. I believe in Isaiah 35, it says, strengthen the feeble knee. Listen, we get so much information from so many different sources calling themselves, you know, oracles of God today. I mean, you can hardly turn on social media or YouTube before you find somebody prophesying, speaking, and let me tell you this, let me tell you that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. All I'm saying is a lot of information that we're getting. And so we need to be able to retain our willfulness, that is our ability, to think and decide for ourselves so that we can move with God and not every single word we hear. So bending our knee when we hear truth and we bend our knee to truth, it's an act of humility. It's not enough for us to hear truth. We must bend to truth. We must kneel to truth and that is an act of humility. When Kneeling is also an act of worship, and so when we get on our knees, we are humbling ourselves. We are showing an act of worship, but when we refuse to bend our knees, it's in a setting where God has pronounced or declared truth, or, or we're in a place of worship, or like some refuse to you know, just it, it, when we refuse to bend our knees, it can be a reflection of pride and stubbornness, as I mentioned earlier. It could be, you know, reflecting our ability to, you know, to hold on longer than we should. You know, a refusal to let go, um, a refusal to retreat or an advance. You know, it it knees imply flexibility. So how flexible, how adaptable are you? How childlike are you? Has to do with the. Condition of our knees. And so our knees could be could be weak, they could be sickly, they could be willful, they could be stubborn. In all cases, they are unable to perform the way God would have us to perform. They prevent when they're sickly, weak, or stubborn, we're unable to participate fully in the call of God, the assignments that God has for our lives. So Paul says this. When he prayed, he said, Lord, make them worthy of the calling. Make them responsive to the calling. Remember, Ezekiel said, take out the stony heart and put in them a fleshly heart, a heart that is capable and desiring to respond to God. Oh, wow. So listen to what Hebrews twelve twelve says. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees. Make straight paths for your feet. So that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. So our needs, our willfulness has a lot to do with whether we are healed or whether we are dislocated. Our willfulness, how we choose, how we think and decide. Remember, we're going back to personal responsibility. That's what Ezekiel is pushing, personal responsibility. I'm going to give you a new new life, a new heart. And I'm going to give you a new way of doing things. And you must be able to think and decide for yourself to participate with God. And if that means going against the flow, then God will grace you to go against the flow. We must learn to listen to God, hear for God, hear from God for ourselves. And that means spending more time with him than per se all the time listening for the next word here or there. And then the waste, the water – went up over the waist. The waist represents the abdomen. It's often called, you know, in, in fitness, it's often called our core. They're the muscles that protect the vital organs. They're the small and large intestines, the stomach. Um, these, the, 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 the core is what, and these muscles are what turn food into usable energy, as well as they discard solid waste. A strong core improves posture, balance, and form in movement. So it's our core that gives us finesse. It gives us agility. It gives us, you know, it, it gives us the ability to to look graceful under fire. It's the core. It's our muscle. It's our in, inner man. It's our it's our soul. The soul of man is the core. It's. It's, it's the core. It's what increases our stability. It protects. It helps us to be able to move with God when he's asking us. Ephesians 6.14 says, so stand with the belt of truth around your waist. We must not only know truth, but we must become true to the truth we know. We have many people that will declare truth, but their lives betray the truth they're declaring. But nothing short, Jesus did not only teach and preach truth, he is truth. And you and I, the body of Christ, we must become truth. We must become living bread that's edible to those that God has given to eat off of our lives. We must become a door to those that God wants to show entrance to himself, to that is Jesus Christ, to introduce Jesus Christ. We must become light in the places he set us that is dark that are dark. We must become living water. We must not only talk about the living water, but Jesus must be able to manifest, come up and manifest in us as the living water. No, we're not Jesus. No, we're not. He is living in us. We're crucified with Christ, but nevertheless we live. It's not us. It is Christ in us that lives, and this life we now live, we live live by faith, in submission, and, I, and I'm not quoting this exactly, but live in submission or in accordance with Jesus Christ. So it's Christ in us that we're to respond to, and that means we must become true to the truth that is in us. Listen to this in 2 Thessalonians 2.10. It says, The coming of the lawless one is based on Satan's working. With every kind of miracle, both signs and wonders serving the lives, And with every wicked deception among those who are perishing, they perish because they did not accept the love of truth and so be saved. Another way to say that, and so be sanctified. Oh, my gosh. So Satan can perform miracle signs and wonders. We ought not pursue miracle signs and wonders. We ought to pursue truth. That is, Jesus Christ. And miracle signs and wonders should follow us. They should not be leading us. It's the word of God. So the water spoken of in Ezekiel is the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit, must cover our way, strengthening our spiritual core. That is the truth not only that we know, but the truth that we become. Listen, when you become truth, you will stand in places and your presence alone changes the atmosphere before you even say anything and i'm not talking about a presence that causes it may cause fear to the enemy and those that are partnering with the enemy but to those that know god it'll be a a, it'll be a love it'll be a love but your presence your presence must change atmospheres why because when we become the word of god when we become the living word we become a force that cannot be reckoned with. Oh wow, wow! And then by verse five in Ezekiel, the water was too deep to cross over by the by by foot by the power of the foot. It was too, it was so deep you had to swim across. it. you had to be in the spirit to cross the water. It was too deep. All of this, and and, and I'm not going to read the 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 other verses that I read about wherever the water goes, it heals, and it'll be trees lined on both sides, and the blessings that come from this process. But all of this occurred by water coming up and out of the temple. All of this will occur. All of the reformation, all of the great awakening, all of the revival, all of the next great move that we're talking about will come as a result of the Holy Spirit coming up and out of the people of God, both individually and collectively. It will not be confined to those in ministry. It won't be confined to the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the pastors, and the evangelists. It will be all over the place in unstoppable force because we are now not just justified and delivered from the judgment of sin, but we will also be sanctified and free from the power of sin in our lives. The Bible does speak of the pouring out of his spirit in the last days. And in Acts 2, we see just that. Now, you might have to correct me. But after Acts 2, or in the book of Acts, the emphasis that I see, and again, I, I'm just saying, help me if you see otherwise. But the emphasis in the, after the book of Acts, and maybe Corinthians, it's about sanctification, and that has to do with what God is doing on the inside of us, and less to do with him pouring out his spirit. I'm not saying that there's not another pouring out of spirit. What I'm saying is God's focus for the remainder of the New Testament is sanctification because sanctification brings about the unity of the body of Christ. Sanctification brings about the unity of the body of Christ. So Ezekiel prophesied personal responsibility. This isn't groupthink. You must decide and consider these things for yourself. He talked about a new life and a new order, a new and living way of doing things. Jesus said, "Why is the gate that leadeth unto destruction?" And many go there, there go in. But narrow straight and narrow is the gate and straight is the way that leads unto life, and few be there that find it. The few that be there that find it, I wonder if it is that they were satisfied with justification but refuse the invitations and the opportunities for sanctification. Remember Ezekiel 11, 19, I will give them an integrity of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will remove their stony heart from their body and give them a heart of flesh so that they will follow my statutes, keep my ordinance and practice them. They will be my people and I will be their God. So, Here's what 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says. For this is God's will, your sanctification. Notice it does not say this is God's will, your justification. You've already been justified through the finished work of Jesus Christ. God is interested, not only you being delivered from the wrath that's coming upon the unbeliever, but he's interested in you being free from the power of sin. Perhaps we struggle with recurring sin or struggles in our life that may not be sin. Perhaps we're stuck in our air er- in an area of our life, whether it could be finances, whether it could be relational. Perhaps we're stuck because we refuse the process of sanctification. Because sanctification leads to a healing. So many, many are looking for this fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and in part I believe that. But the pattern of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is clear. Whenever God is about to do something new, it comes out of something, not upon something. God works from the inside out. Creation came out of God. Woman came out of man, and ever since man is coming out of woman, Noah came out of the ark. Isaac came out of Abraham. Israel came out of Jacob. Joseph came out of a pit. Moses came out of Pharaoh's house. David came out of a cave. Ruth came out of Moab. Jesus came out of Mary. And out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. So last few things. The, when something is mentioned first in the Bible, it has a significance of all of its own. So if what I'm telling you has merit and truth, In the eyes of God, God would have had to speak about water coming up earlier than Ezekiel. And I would suggest to you that in Genesis 2, 6 is the first mention of water coming up out of the ground. In verse 5 of Genesis 2, it says the rain had not come down. There was no outpouring of rain when we get to verse 6 verse 6 says but mist would come up from the earth and water all the ground my question is who is the earth but adam he was an earth man he was made from the earth in the old testament we're talking about the natural earth the what you can pick up with the soil in the new testament we're talking about the earth man First, Jesus Christ, and now us that believe. The water will come up. The water came down. The Bible says Jesus went down into the water, and when he came up, the Spirit of God came down. There was a response. Jesus went down into the water, and then when he came up out of the water, the Bible says the Spirit. Or The heavens were open and the spirit came down. When will the heavens open and the spirit come down? When we come up. When well, that which is in us comes up. He says, I've put this treasure in an earthen vessel. Why? So the excellency of God might manifest through us. Isaiah 55, 10, 11 says, For just as the rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there with." Rating the earth and making it germinate, sprout, providing seed to sow, food to eat. So my word comes from my mouth. It will not return to me empty but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper into what I send it. There is a prospering that God is looking for from the people of God, from the seed and the spirit that has already been sown in our lives. And the way he gets what that that prospering or that inheritance is as we go through the process of sanctification, as he sets us apart, as he makes us holy. And then John 2, 7, you'll recall this. He filled Jesus' first miracle, again, first miracle. The first miracle had to do with water. Jesus said, fill the water pots to the brim, right? Then he said, now draw some out and take it to the head waiter. And we all know what happened. It was when the water had gone in, it came out something different than it went in. You and my life, the church is supposed to come out, look different than when Christ came into us. The Holy Spirit came into us. The head waiter tasted the water, and he said he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. He called the groom and said, everyone sets out the fine wine first. Then, after people are drunk, the inferior... But you have kept the fine wine till now. I'm telling you, the fine wine is the sanctified believer in word and in deed, a believer who has been processed by the Holy Spirit. You know, I think about the example of a meat plant. After meat has been slaughtered, they go to a processing plant. So after we've been crucified with Christ, the Bible says in Romans that we died with him. So we are dead, and now we must be processed in the same way meat would get processed through a slaughterhouse. So there are many Christians that that are justified, they're free, but they have not been processed. And so you will see a great deal of hypocrisy. You will see that what they speak, they are not living in relationship with others. The integrity of heart that Ezekiel speaks about, they have not been processed and taken hold of that heart. I told you that I was going to tell you how God is going to do his next big thing, what the next big idea, the great awakening, the next great move of God, the end time harvest, the billion soul harvest, the revival, whatever name you prefer will come from within you, it will come up and out of you, it will come up, spring up, bubbling to God, giving back to him what is his, and then it will flow out of you. Do you see the direction? Our first responsibility is to him, and as I hear it all the time, an audience of one. So that what's in you must go to him first and then to everybody else. So when we serve him first, we serve everybody else best. So that which he's put in you, he's asking for it. That's what happened with Moses. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's house. He learned everything he did in Pharaoh's house, in a house that was unkind, unfavorable to him. He was a Jew in Pharaoh's house. Saved the daughter that loved him and and the mother, his mother who nursed him. He was raised under the tutelage of Pharaoh. Went to his educational system, whatever that was. And in God's appointed time, he took Moses out of the house. But Moses wasn't processed when he went out of the house. You'll know he wasn't processed because he killed the Egyptian who was fighting with the Hebrew. And so God gave him a taste of what a deliverer would be like because he was called to deliver the nation of Israel. But he wasn't processed because the very next day he went out and he wasn't even able to stand up to his own brothers. And the Bible says that he ran in fear. And in that 40 years, the wilderness is the processing plant. The wilderness is the, that's a whole other teaching. But what I'm saying is we must become processed Christians. And we've talked about that in weeks past. We've talked about what that looks like. But we're being processed now, and our response to the circumstances, people, situations in our lives determine whether we go forward. Amy, one last scripture I want to read, and as I'm getting this, if you want to get ready to come on, because I think this is important. It talks about the house of God. Um, hold on one second. Let me get it, because I, I want you to see this, because we're talking, about, we're talking about God's house here. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, yeah, here we go. It's in 2 Timothy 2.20. First, well, 19, it talks about, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, bearing the inscription, the Lord knows his own. Prior to that, he was talking about people who were teaching and preaching falsely. And then it says here in verse 19, but the Lord knows his own. And let anyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. Verse 20, now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Who can ascend the mountain of God? He who has a pure heart and clean hands. My friends, he's talking about the sanctified ones in Jesus' name. Father, I just pray that those that hear and receive and consider this word, Lord, that I would dedicate them, that they would dedicate themselves to the process of sanctification, that you would set them apart, that you would cleanse them that you would heal them deeply internally and that you would, Lord, belly up, Lord, bubble up in them a well of water, the Holy Spirit springing up to eternal life and flowing out of their belly rivers of living water, first to Judea, then Samaria, first to Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the earth. I thank you for revealing your plan, God. I thank you for giving me the grace to be able to articulate it, God. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would explain it and expound even further to your people in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amy? Amen. Amen. Wow, I, I just think it's a, a revelatory word that we need to take in and pray. And there's just richness in it and understanding all the components. So. I thank you for sharing it, for pouring out your heart, um, for studying the scripture, and just for laying it out. I know that um, it's been a journey, and I think this is a word that's so important, and there's so many layers. So I don't know about questions tonight, because I think it really is something for us to take in and study and, and listen to. And, and read ezekiel and just see what what the lord has for us with this word um so powerful thank you and thank you
0: praise god. praise god i you know it, it's um i tell you what if we if we would just i just encourage you go back and look at the scriptures for yourself the word of god is of no private interpretation And we must move beyond the what to the how, because if we don't know how, it's difficult to participate with God consciously and intentionally. And as I I said to you you guys before that, that, you know, and and we don't really have time to, to break this down, but the first five books of the Bible lay this process out clearly. And we are in this place called direction, and, and and I don't know, just briefly, let me just say this, that Genesis talked about the, the supremacy of God, the, the creation of man, and the choosing of a nation, and that nation ended in bondage, and then Exodus talked about the deliverance of a nation from Egypt, and then Leviticus talked about the sanctification, there were 600 laws and the sacrifices and you know, all of those things, the sanctification of the nation. And then Numbers talks about the ordering, the direction of a nation, how they were going to get from where they're to get the Bible says that a pillar of fire led them uh by night and a cloud by day, the direction of God. And then and then Deuteronomy talks about the instructions how to live in this new land, how to live in the promised land. And so tonight I give you the direction. I gave you the direction of the Holy Spirit, and I encourage you strongly. Please go back and read the scriptures for yourself, and ask God to, you know. And I pray that He would just bear witness to what I'm saying to you tonight, because it is powerful. It would change your life. It's changed my life, and so I just encourage you to read that and share it and share this word. I mean, I, I, I that's it. That's all I got. Amy. <laughs>
1: Well, I will make sure we get this um, this word. Of course, you can dial in, and I'll give you the dial-in number to share with people. I'll also make sure it's up on the podcast by tomorrow uh, for those of you who listen to a podcast instead. But I think just with because it's such an important word tonight. Let's just I think just sharing it and, and re-listening and understanding what the Lord's saying, and each of us taking it back. To the Lord, so I want to give the the replay number. It's six zero five four seven five four nine eight zero, followed by three four one zero 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 pound. And tonight's call number is two three three pound. That's two three three pound. Which of course I love that two three three adds up to eight, which is new beginnings. <laughs>
0: Amy, interesting. Today is 10, 12. What? 10, 12, 2022, and those numbers also add up to eight. I'm not. I'm not sure. Those numbers also add up to eight, right? 10, 12, 2022.
1: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I get ten with those numbers. It's, it's ten. <laughs> you, you got ten?
0: I got ten. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm on well, the is completion,
1: or maybe I didn't. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine. Oh wait. That's nine. And what? Wait. And then nine and nine
0: is eighteen and eight. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Y'all
1: know we love our holy mass, right? <laughs> we're seeing holy mass everywhere. No, we should. We need to just stop trying and just leave the message right, right where it is. Right. And, um, and we'll leave off. the message right there, right? <laughs> well, we love you. We love you guys. Um, we're just encouraged by the message. And I know you guys are too. It's just you know, seeing this pattern of the Lord in the Old Testament and the New and knowing (laughs) that he works in such beautiful ways to see this mystery uncovered. And then there it is right in the word. We can prove it out, right? With his word, he is the word. So this is so beautiful. I can't wait to go back and read Ezekiel again. And um, thank you guys for joining us tonight. And those that join us by replay, thank you so much. And we love you and we look forward to hearing you next week. God bless you. Good night.